This man is a psychotic. You sound insane. Have you lost your fucking mind? Yeah. Are you off your fucking meds or something? My family thinks I'm crazy. So he's crazy. Doctor Dimensional. You're insane. Crazy. Listen. Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? You are a crazy little man. Ha! My family thinks I'm fucking crazy. My life's so funny, bro. I'm eating DMT on toast with psychedelic honeycomb. Wow. Leave me the fuck alone, or I'll flick you in your funny bone. Don't talk to me in a funny tone. I'm busy, I'm bringing the money home. I'm busy. I'm using all these sacred words to paint these pictures. Don't brush me aside. You need to read these ancient scriptures. DMT and magic mushrooms, that's the greatest mixture. Fresh panani, pum pum juice, that's my sacred elixir. And if you're taking MDMA, my music will make you rush more. But I advise you not to do them drugs if you're unsure. I got two kilos of Cali packs, but I need much more. We're just a bunch of fucking stoneheads, Mount Rushmore My stress is mounting up, that's why I'm always blazing weed And you can see me meditating underneath an ancient tree And every single thing I say is facts And it's not make-believe And I don't care if you believe me, just wait and see Kraken's going viral, I ain't talking about a virus Doing 100k a day, that's a nice touch like Midas Everything I touch turns to gold or diamonds I deleted TikTok because my music's timeless Did you clock that I'm a god that's like a Cyrus? Why do you think I'm always right? It's cause I'm right in a past life I was beside him from Cyprus In another one I was a psychedelic pirate Evil entities are standing right beside us You got a virus in your brain like meningitis We got nanotech inside us And you got fungal spores on your skin like dermatitis If you're scared I advise you keep your eyes shut I'm immune to HIV and hepatitis Don't take my weakness for kindness Cause I will rip your head off and leave you fucking spineless My family thinks I'm fucking crazy my life so funny bro, I'm eating DMT on toast with psychedelic honeycomb wow. Leave me the fuck alone or I'll flick you in your funny bone Don't talk to me in a funny tone, I'm busy, I'm bringing the money home I'm, busy. I'm using all these sacred words to paint these pictures Don't brush me aside, you need to read these ancient scriptures DMT and magic mushrooms, that's the greatest mixture Fresh panani pum pum juice, that's my sacred elixir As the rich and famous blowhards blame combustion engines and cow farts, the truly wealthy turn to the earth to seek guidance in her time of crisis. And today's guest may just be the best man for the job. Jim Gale, founder of Food Forest Abundance, whose mission is to build a free, healthy, and abundant society for generations to come by sowing food forests into perpetual motion, growing in every community and every yard around the world. And to do that, he's enlisting you to unlearn scarcity and upgrade to abundance. I'm Mystic Mark. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast with Jim Gale of Food Forest Abundance. I physically felt the transformation as I was walking and crying and asking for help. I was asking God, source, whatever we call this divine wellspring of life that we are part of. And through the tears and the weeping and the earnest asking, everything cleared up for me. And that moment, I'll never forget the step I took that moment. And then I got home and all these series of ideas started coming. The ideas cannot come in a mind that's clouded with programs, right? The first thing we do is let go of the fear and the scarcity mindset and take the poisons out and live with faith and courage. And then from there, we take the next right step 
And that's what I've been doing. A lot of meditation, a lot of centering, a lot of presence practice, and just feeling the frequency of the universe. You know, Tesla's quote is profound in this place. If you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. But I believe that quote was manipulated. If you want to live free, then feel the frequency, the energy, and the vibration. And when we feel it, and, and you can feel it, it's like, oh man. When you can start feeling that, then you're present, and then the ideas come, and then you simply follow the guidance. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And with me today is an old friend who's Long overdue on this show. We've talked plenty of times before, but it's about time we have him on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. The great Jim Gale from Food Forest Abundance is here at last. And I think it's the perfect time of year to talk about what's in your backyard and even what's in your front yard. But before we get to that, Jim, welcome to the show, brother. How are you? Oh, thank you, Mark. It's wonderful to be here. I am present. I am feeling amazing. I'm blown away at everything, how it's progressing. Even though it was intended, it's still in, happening in such magical ways, such divine synchronicities that, uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty uh, humbled and in awe of the process. Wonderful. Yeah, and folks should know a thing or two about Food Forest Abundance, not just from the intro to the show that I'm going to record in after this, but also I've talked a fair bit about Food Forest Abundance on this podcast, and we worked together for a time. But like I insinuated, we haven't had you on the show as a guest yet, and I'd love to share your mission with my audience because I think dozens of them, if not all of them, could benefit from this message and from this mission that you've embarked on. So when does it all start, Jim? Where do we start with this conversation? Let's start with the end in mind. The end being the vision that inspires us. So when I was in 19 years old, my college wrestling coach asked all the wrestlers, told all the wrestlers, you have to write your goals. And he handed us this piece of paper. It was three pages, actually. And he said, bring this home, have this on my desk by Monday, or you will not be coming to practice on Monday. And I was like, oh, what a pain in the ass. I, it felt like homework to me. And I, don't, I didn't like homework at all. I didn't do homework, actually. So anyway, I put it on my desk on a Friday night. Saturday went by. And Sunday night, the last minute, I'm like, ah, oh, I got to get this done. So I started reading the questions and one of the questions was, what is your ultimate goal? What can you imagine yourself achieving? And it said, push the envelope a little bit, push it and let's see what happens. Well, I had just got done on a road trip to Texas and back from Minnesota. We were in some network marketing company and we were listening to Dennis Waitley's The Psychology of Winning. And I had never heard a motivational speaker in my life, not at least not like this. And the information that he was sharing and telling us, sharing with us, blew my mind. I couldn't believe that I didn't learn that stuff in school. Anyway, when I wrote my goals, I had this idea that I could do anything that I put my mind to. So I wrote crazy goals. 
I wrote that I wanted to be a three-time All-American and national wrestling champion. The two years previous, I sucked. I got beat. I was no good. <laughs> and in college, everybody's pretty good. You know, most people are placers in the state tournament if they're in a college wrestling room. So anyway, I started dreaming. And that's what we all need to do, my friends, is we need to start dreaming again. Our own dreams, not the dreams that are programmed into our minds by the mainstream media and by the deep state, by the government, but our own dreams. So anyway, I wrote down that I wanted to be a you know three-time All-American National Champ. I handed the goals to my coach, and he smirked, and he was laughing internally. He said, these goals are lofty, don't you think? And anyway, I stood my ground because internally I had already felt the joy of accomplishing that goal. And then four years later, I was actually a four-time All-American and national champion, inducted into the Hall of Fame and broke a bunch of records at the school. And it taught me a good lesson. And this is exactly what Napoleon Hill said, by the way. Napoleon Hill wrote the book, Think and Grow Rich. And in his life pursuit of studying the most successful people in the world, in their trade, in their craft, in their art, whatever it was, Napoleon Hill deducted that whatever the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. Well, I was 20, 20 years old or 21 years old at that point, and my whole life has been about what else can happen? What can we achieve when we catalyze a shift in awareness that leads to mass adoption? And this is an evolution of the question. When we catalyze a shift that leads to mass adoption of taking the poisons out of our system, of our earth, of our the fluoride in our water, the glyphosate in our farmland, the aluminum oxide in the geoengineering, when we take the poisons out of the system, fear being the ultimate poison, and use our energy and our resources wisely, what can we achieve as humanity? And the answer is peace on earth. The answer is the Garden of Eden everywhere. And that's my life's pursuit. Bravo. Wow. Well said. And I love the origin story, Jim. You know, I was a wrestler myself, not at the college level, but my high school team won our division. And I like to think I helped motivate the team and I was one of the captains. So it was certainly a responsibility of mine to help motivate. But yeah. Wow. So I imagine with the success that you've experienced, transforming the American idea of a yard space isn't a, a tall order for someone like you. I imagine as soon as this clicked, you went as far and wide as you could. But what was that moment like? Take us back to that moment when Food Forest Abundance really was planted, that seed was planted. Because now, obviously, it's grown into something that's nationwide, maybe even beyond just the United States, I'd love to know. But clearly, it's something that's catching on. When did it begin? Well, we are now serving people in 54 countries and every U.S. state, right helping on. them to grow food, inspiring and empowering people to use the permaculture principles to turn their landscapes into productive, poison-free, abundant landscapes. And it's been a prof process. It's been an evolution. So I wrote my goals. So after college, I moved to Hawaii and I lived there for about four years and had a blast, owned a nightclub, and Prince came to my nightclub two New Year's in a row. 
It's really cool. And I also lost a lot of money in the bar business there, but I started with nothing. I left Hawaii with about 10 grand and I moved to, to Surfers Paradise, Australia. I bought a car for 2000 bucks. I learned to drive on the other side of the road and I drove up to a place called Surfers Paradise. I bought the car in Sydney and then drove up to Surfers Paradise just with a backpack by myself, not having anything, but just this idea of finding the place that resonated with me the most, right? And I was still in a party phase of life. So I fell in Surfers Paradise. I got a job. Everybody said, you can't get a job here. You can get a job picking fruit up in the fruit fields up north, but you can't get a job here. They won't hire any illegals here. I was an illegal alien. And I got a job in two days on the strip bartending. It was fantastic. So that was mostly at night. During the day, I would go to Bond University and I would study Zig Ziglar, Napoleon Hill, Jim Rohn, all of the great transformative, like motivational speakers that I could find, all of them. I read all these books about going directly against the current and all these different ways that the people who have changed the world, how they did it. And I was writing my goals. I stayed there for about four months. And then I wrote my goals again. And then from there, I went lived in Chiang Mai for a short time in Indonesia, Bali. I went to live with the Maasai in Africa for a couple of months. And then I got sick in Africa. I was in Lusaka and I met these Maasai warrior guys at a bar called Tusker. Or maybe it was the beer that was called Tusker. I just remember Tusker. But anyway, it was in this hole-in-the-wall bar. With, I was the only white face, except for the two. There was two other gals that were with me that were at the youth hostel that I was in. And we were the only white folks in this bar. And it was absolutely fantastic meeting these people. Anyway, I ended up getting really sick. I came home, and I had written my goals again. And anyway, I got over the, whatever it was in me, I had to take some antibiotics, which I've learned a lot about now, and I will never take them again. I would use plants to heal myself. But anyway, I didn't know what I didn't know back then. I wrote my goals while I was traveling. My goal, because I was dead broke, I got home with 600 bucks. Luckily, my parents, you know, I had a place, I was able to live in their basement at almost 30 years old, and they gave me an old cheap LeBaron car, which was I was so thankful for. And uh, the universe started opening up again to help me achieve those goals. A guy named Jason said, hey, come work for my mortgage company. There's no salary, but if you sell, if you inspire somebody to get a mortgage, you do the, you write up the paperwork, then you'll get a thousand dollar commission or whatever it was. So I got in that business and within 11 months, I started my own company and then we did $1.3 billion in revenue in three and a half years, starting from scratch. And then I bought a boat, lived on the ocean, and then I found Costa Rica. And that's where I red-pilled. That's where I had my first two daughters, and that's where I learned permaculture. And I went through a period of scarcity because when you red-pill, the first thing I did, and I had a lot of time on my hands because I didn't really have a job and I had money. So I spent sometimes 12 hours a day researching the problem. From a skeptical point of view, I wasn't one to just say, oh, you know, the earth is flat. It might be flat. I've never researched it because to me, there's bigger, more important things. In fact, I think it's a holographic universe anyway. So I don't care what shape it is. <laughs> but my point is, 
I'm, I'm, I start off more skeptical minded, but as I did the research, it became abundantly clear and very obvious that the world is controlled by some form of destructive entity. Some people call it evil, right? Live backwards. Some people call it, you know, politicians or AI or whatever. I actually have a very deep understanding of all of those theories. But then I read Bill Mollison's. Bill Mollison is one of the founders of permaculture. And he said, though the problems of our world are increasingly complex, the solutions remain embarrassingly simple. And I started to bawl. I started to bawl because I was in that scarcity mindset because I had daughters and I saw that the destruction of the world, you know, Black Rock is not just the name of that entity. It's the intention of the entity. By their deeds, you shall know them, right? So anyway, I went down this path and I invested all of my money, about $20 million into the solution and into different evolutions of the solution. And really, I was quite ignorant because it was right in front of me the whole time. Permaculture is the solution to all of the world's biggest problems. And it is so sinister how simple it is, because when you think about how we've been taken from our natural state of being in such a short amount of time, you'd have to imagine that to correct that would take possibly an even shorter amount of time just by the way things naturally want to go back to homeostasis already, right? So we're sort of working in a downhill situation rather than an uphill battle, although it can feel like that sometimes. So permaculture was right there under your nose the entire time. And we've talked before, I've talked to folks who have a lot of great things to say about Costa Rica. It seems like Costa Rica is this like sort of safe haven for these kind of forward-thinking, eco-conscious ideas. Is that really the truth? I mean, how did Costa Rica fit into food forest abundance? What do people live like down there? So it's infinitely alive, right? It's one of the most eco-diverse places on the planet. They once did a study of the amount of different species of plants per hectare, and a place in Costa Rica had more species than they'd found anywhere in the world back at the day. I've heard a place in Ecuador now has found more species, but it's biodiversity, right? Diversity is the foundation of life, right? It's like a symphony. And in a symphony, you've got all these different instruments playing at a different tone, different vibration, different sound. Well, that's what nature is like. And there's something about Costa Rica where the continents come together and all of that energy, that diversity is there. And it's like so alive. So people are attracted to the liveliness of it. And of course, the governments have got in there and they spray more freaking glyphosate per hectare there on their crops than most places in the world. So they're the same entities that are trying to destroy the whole world. And by the way, this is the toughest thing that it took me to understand. This idea, I for a while, I thought Bushes were bad people, like the Bush dynasty. I thought they did 9-11 and that Obama was a good guy and he was going to solve the problem. I mean, I'm admitting my ignorance. Been there too. That, I've been right there. <laughs> so I was just levels of ignorance that it's like peeling away layers of the onion, right? Sometimes tears come with the layers. So anyway, one of my buddies, Brian, who is partners with me now and ever since, he's like, Jim, you don't get it. 
they are trying to destroy and kill life on earth. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Why would they do that? Because if they did, then they would die too. Well, it's like the scorpion and the frog, right? The scorpion and the frog are sitting on the side of the river and the frog is going across. The scorpion says, hey, can I get a ride on your back to the other side of the river? And the frog says, no way, you're a scorpion. You'll kill me. And the scorpion says, but if I kill you, then we'll both drown. If I sting you when we're crossing the river, then I'll die too. And the frog says, oh, that makes sense. So they get on, the scorpion gets on the frog's back. They're going across the river halfway through. The scorpion kills the frog. And the frog says, I'm going down. I'm going to die and you're going to die too. I'm a scorpion. That's what I do, right? And I don't want to diminish scorpions. Scorpions are infinitely better than the deep state assholes that control the world right now. <laughs> but so anyway. I finally got it through my thick skull that this is a battle of live and evil, right? It's subversion, right? The devil is lived backwards. It never lived. I think it's an all an AI-driven game that we created as God, as spirit. I think this is our game to play. That's what I've deducted over this time and a lot of meditation. So anyway, I don't know exactly where I was going with that, but there's a lot of nuggets in there anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, just, you know, to get a sort of overview of Costa Rica and oh, yes. the permaculture, yes. you know, and yep. how that really, so that silly. place is inspiring, you know, I mean. it's Yeah, it's nature. It, permaculture is simply modeling after natural systems, mm -hmm. right? If you're in nature and you look around and there, if you're in a forest, who manages the forest? Nobody. And if you're in a forest like the Amazon rainforest, which was a designed food forest 5,000 years ago, if you're in a system like that, there's food everywhere. And that's the way it is in a lot of parts of Costa Rica. There's food all over the place in Costa Rica. You just got to know what to look for. And most of it's right in front of your face. Papayas and juca and bananas and mangoes. There's parks where there's millions of mangoes just laying on the ground. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I think that is the sort of misnomer that is so pervasive now within this environmentalist crowd. You know, people might hear what we're talking about, and I'd just like for them to understand that, Jim, you have a different approach to this situation, right? Because if people are so concerned about, you know, cow farts and gasoline and whatnot, I mean, tell them how destructive a lawn is. I mean, because people yeah. don't realize their front lawn, which is sprayed with pesticides, mowed with a lawnmower that typically uses gasoline, right? I mean, these are all contributing to this crisis, yet people aren't looking in that direction. What, what are your thoughts on that? It's the poisons. It's the glyphosate. It's the fluoride. It's all of the chemical poisons that are made in a lab by the same entities that are funded by BlackRock. That's what it is. If we only did that, if we only took out those poisons of our farmland and everything else stayed the same, we would have thriving life on Earth. The soil is the ultimate carbon sink. Plants store carbon, right? They're made of carbon. Carbon is the fundamental element of life. It happens to have six electrons, six neutrons, and six protons. 
Go figure that one out. I haven't figured that one out yet, but if you have a solution, tell me about that. Right? I think there's so much subversion of these things. Everything is suspect. Everything we've been taught by the government, like don't look at the sun. Well, every morning and every evening, if I'm around a sunrise or a sunset, I look at it and it has helped my eyes, right? So it's like everything we hear. Have you seen the food pyramid lately? It's, they have Cheerios, honey nut Cheerios or some kind of Cheerios ahead of a chicken breast. Now, if the chicken was grown with steroids and poisons, it's the same freaking thing. It's cancer in a box or in a bag or in a plastic wrap, right? But we just took out the poisons. Now, when we add on the permaculture design elements, so there's 900 million acres of farmland and there's about 44 million acres of grass lawn in the United States alone. The lawn takes more poisons, more chemicals and more human resources than any other crop and yet it does not provide food. Wait a minute, why do we have lawns? And the answer to that question, the lawn is the foundation of our enslavement. The lawn is the shackles that bind us, along with fear, right? The lawn is the physical and fear is the metaphysical. So when we simply take out the poisons and turn half of our lawns, into edible regenerative landscapes or food forests, which by the way, are less maintenance than a lawn. I've got 230 different types of food growing outside along my property, including seven species of fish, chickens and turkeys and cows and about 230 types of edible and medicinal plants. I can walk outside and have almost zero maintenance on the food production stuff. The chickens are five minutes a day, the cows are a little less than that when you average it out. But just on the plants, it's less maintenance than a lawn, significantly less maintenance, and it provides an exponential amount of food food with virtually no labor. That's so wonderful. And, you know, maybe I'm just, you know, hippie by heart, you know, by nature, but I'd prefer to live in a area that has an abundance of trees and plants and food available. I mean, I don't know about you, but sitting on a, a lawn or di- under direct sun, I mean, I couldn't think of a, a more unpleasant way to spend a day. And I, it seems like that's what a lot of people consider like this American ideal, like, oh, we're going to put a pool above ground on a lawn in the backyard and a deck and, you know, just augment our reality to the point where it sterilizes dead. Right. And I mean, we're just flipping all those notions upside down with this conversation. I love it. And they give awards for that. Like I'm walking around. So right now I'm in a rental home and we're building our lifetime home at Slanting named after John Galt from the character out of the book Atlas Shrugged, which is incredibly relevant right now because we're going to be doing Atlas Shrugged too. The producer of Atlas Shrugged is a friend of my partner's. And we're going to be using that, working with that title, and we're going to be demonstrating free energy to the world exponentially this year. It's very exciting. So, yeah, think about this. I'm walking outside with my dog, and there's signs in every, like, fifth or sixth lawn. There's signs that say, don't walk on this. It's been poisoned. 
And it says it has a, you know, you've seen the sign, a circle with a line through it with a family or an adult, a kid and a dog. So don't let your family or your dogs go on this. It's poisonous. And then there's signs that say yard of the corner right around the corner from us. It says yard of the quarter. Right. So somebody gets an award for having the most sterile biological desert. It's a death zone. There's no life except for these ornamental plants that are bio engineered right in a lab in an unnatural way to actually work with the poisons and even that's a short-term thing all of that stuff is starting to fail now in a lot of places as the soil is getting completely destroyed right right? soil is like the immune system of mother earth so when all of a sudden people are bragging about their being a dead zone it's the ultimate insanity yeah, you know, it is a point of pride with my father and his yard. He loves his lawn and he's a landscaper, so he knows how to take care of it. One redeeming fact is that when you look beyond the house, it's completely wild and unkept. There's hundreds of trees in our backyard and a big garden. So I think he's sort of balancing it out well, but it's really upsetting to look around at, you know, how people have been just tricked into these boxes, right? I mean, the whole suburban expansion coincided or followed the factory, you know, employment era when majority of people were in factories. And I think maybe you'd agree with this notion that the elites had a sort of plan for this. They realized that we can make a ton of more money if none of these people can grow their own food. Let's employ them to grow, you know, massive, you know, stockpiles of food and we'll just redistribute all that food to people. They don't have to grow it themselves. We'll just, you know, package it with processing, you know, equipment and throw some preservatives in there so it lasts as long as it takes to get to their house. I mean, it just to rethink a lot of this. It's not as complex as I think most people would imagine. As you said, taking care of your food garden in your backyard is less of a hassle than it would be to mow the lawn. It's probably easier, not a, a toll on your back if you have one of those push mowers. Yeah, it's nothing. Like we could, and here's the thing. I don't hate lawns, by the way. It's the imbalance that is illogical and destructive to our planet, and it's the poisons, right? So we have areas where we have perennial peanut and sunshine mimosa. We have different kinds of ground cover. And then around the tennis courts, my partner even, he did put in a lawn. But within that lawn, we're going to be putting all these awesome fruit trees. But the kicker is the excess food production. Like, I can walk outside and within 10 minutes, I can have a big-ass basket of food with so many different varieties of food in the basket anytime. So now my harvesting is the only thing I do. Now, people have to harvest anyway. Most people, here's how they harvest. They go to work and they earn money. And then they take that money and go to the store and they buy poisonous nutrient lacking food off the store shelf because it has a certain color or a certain shape. Right. But it's so it's such a switch, a logical switch where instead of taking that much time, let's just say you're buying one hundred dollars worth of groceries and you make 50 bucks an hour. You just spent two hours at work. And another hour at the grocery store, you just spend three hours plus the time and energy it takes to get back and forth. (laughs) You could spend 20 minutes 
and have that much food and have it be infinitely healthier to the habitat, to the land and to your body. Right. And of course, you know, not everybody's going to have the space for their own cow to milk, but this is why we need to incentivize local farms and this atmosphere of trading because you might be the best tomato guy on the block but you don't know the secret to growing the best peach your neighbor does right now you have this infrastructure this organic infrastructure within the neighborhood you can get everything you need in that small radius on foot right i mean that cuts down your gas you know going to the store all the packaging all the plastic that's involved with buying stuff from you know your traditional market right so there's tons of ways that i think the environmentalist with big air quotes has been brainwashed away from this solution that you're offering you know the average person who prides themselves on caring for the environment doesn't realize that their entire diet is contributing to the destruction of the of this ecosystem in many ways i mean especially people who live in cities now that being said this isn't something that is you know this solution isn't restricted to people who live in rural areas or even just suburban areas you have solutions for people who live in an apartment you have a solutions for people who have a small space you know maybe a catwalk or a windowsill right so this isn't something that you'd have to necessarily move to accomplish if you want to reduce your spending on food and start growing yourself right that's so right on and i'm glad you brought that up mark because anybody who has the desire to be free, the first thing we do is take out the poisons. And the number one poison is fear. And this, I went from 20 million to negative 80,000. I invested everything I had. I was dead broke. I had a, a store that was going well at the mall. And my goal was to scale that store to prove the model. And it was a kiosk that I designed. It was a living kiosk with all sorts of plants and life. And I was showing people how healthy natural systems are. Then COVID hit. I literally opened up three months before the government hit and they called it COVID, right? And anyway, the, the, my last investment after investing all this time and energy in Costa Rica and here about the solutions, it was done. And that's when I was still in fear. I was starting to come out of fear and then banging the last big wallop, last knock on wood, right? There might be more, but whatever. I'm just going to be present through the process. Anyway, I was crying. I had family. I had no money. I was, my credit was shot or at least it was extended. I, it, it was not shot because I had paid all my bills, but it was maxed. And then I had this inspiration. I stepped into faith and courage. I physically felt the transformation as I was walking and crying and asking for help. I was asking God, source, whatever we call this divine wellspring of life that we are part of. And through the tears and the weeping and the earnest asking, everything cleared up for me. And that moment, I'll never forget the step I took that moment. And then I got home and all these series of ideas started coming. The ideas cannot come in a mind that's clouded with programs. Right? The first thing we do is let go of the fear and the scarcity mindset and take the poisons out and live with faith and courage. And then from there, we take the next right step. 
And that's what I've been doing. A lot of meditation, a lot of centering, a lot of presence practice, and just feeling the frequency of the universe. You know, Tesla's quote is profound in this state, in this place right here. If you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. But I believe that quote was manipulated. If you want to live free, then feel the frequency, the energy, and the vibration. And when we feel it, and, and you can feel it, it's freaking like, when you can start feeling that, then you're present, and then the ideas come, and then you simply follow the guidance. Wow. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it for sure. Yeah, Jim, this is palpable. So I imagine even being in an environment that's full of life, literally with all plants and food, that contributes to a greater sense of well-being. And even on an energetic level, you know, having all those plants around must, I would imagine, block out a lot of this dead signal that we're getting from emfs and whatnot i mean you know plants they do a large amount of absorbing not just carbon dioxide but energy right sunlight all this stuff you're nailing it it's so what you just said is so profound to understand to be aware of the microbiome of life the symphony of life the soil when you pick up a handful of soil there's more independent organisms in a handful of soil than there are humans on the planet there are seeds in that soil that are just waiting for the signal to germinate right there's just infinite life so the soil becomes the planet's immune system when it's healthy and when it's being destroyed, exactly like the big pharma stuff, right? Pharmacia, sorcery in the Bible, it's exactly like that. When we poison our bodies and fear again is the ultimate poison, but also all these toxins, then we decrease our ability to defend against these toxins. So in fact, Del Victory did a good piece on this where he was showing how the jab was actually decreasing the immune system's ability. So people are dying of all sorts of different stuff nowadays, a lot of heart attacks, but there's all sorts of strokes and different things happening because it's decreasing the natural immune system's ability to protect. Same thing with the soil. So when you start putting these systems in place, they become infinitely powerful. It's a power field. It's not a force field, right? Force is violence. Power is simply power. It's exponential energy. And I had a tour this morning with about nine people after we did some filming early in the morning. And every single person there left incredibly inspired. All right. And by the way, anybody in, who is either in Florida or wants to come visit me, we have Airbnbs. We have a private 430-acre lake. We've got 50 acres at the end of a road. There's a mile-long paved runway on our east. World leaders are coming in to see and feel and experience freedom and abundance and then taking this abundance back to their communities. And then we're, okay, so how do we scale this? How do we change the world? How do we bring peace on earth? How do we catalyze that shift? Well, we put demonstration sites up all over the world. We've got them in Thailand and Africa, soon in Russia and China and Canada, the United States. And we're putting these systems all over the place. Every food forest abundance system, every permaculture edible landscape system becomes a nursery and a seed of abundance that goes exponential through its community. 
Wow, that's incredible. So this is all at Galt's Landing, right? This is the name yep. for it. And galtswalk.com is where people can go and find out more info and even book a stay if they'd like to stay. Tell me about the lake because you said earlier you had over seven feet, different species of fish in there. Is that a man-made lake or is that did you guys sort of augment an existing water feature? How did that work? So there's several bodies of water. We built a three and a half acre, 25 foot deep pond on our property on the 51 acres. It was a cattle pasture and we used the material from that hole in the ground to build up the area where our houses are. And it's a good thing. We just had a 500 year flood and all of the cattle pasture was flooded, but our houses were two meters out of the highest watermark on a 500 year flood. So we're sitting really good. And then we put in sunnies, crappies, bass, catfish, mosquito minnows, fatheads, and shiners into the pond to create this ecosystem. And there's snails there. And then around the pond, we put hundreds of food producing plants and support species. And then as those drip their abundance in and some bounces into the pond, some of the fruits, then it creates microbiome, the microbiome eat the fruit, the fish eat the insects and the bugs, and it becomes this cycle of life. And the other thing about a pond and water is it becomes a temperature moderator. Right. So when we got to 29 degrees, which was the coldest it had been in 40 years in Florida, we got to 29 degrees for like a day or a day and a half. There were people that had the same type of subtropical plants that we had, and they lost their plants because they froze. Ours did fine because that water helped moderate the temperature. It has effects on hot and cold. So if anybody has enough room for a pond or a pool of water, that's where you put some of your species of plants that are on the edge of your zone. That's right. a permaculture technique. It's called creating a microclimate. Wow. So the water will actually remain a temperature that is, you know, warm enough for the plants to survive, even though maybe the surface of the pond is frozen over. I mean, I imagine you don't get much ice down there. <laughs> well, I don't think there's ever been ice because the water takes like the air can cool off or heat up it very quickly. Yeah. A, a cell of hot or cold air comes in and it can be minutes when the temperature of the air changes 10, right. 20, 30 degrees even. But the water takes a lot longer. The water is a thermal battery. It'll hold that temperature for a lot longer time. So, yeah, we never get freezing. And then we're actually strategically locating waterways and water systems throughout our whole 50 acres so that we can have tropical plants. In fact, I'm designing a natural pool with no chlorine, no salt, purely colloidal silver and a completely natural pool with plant filters. And then we're going to be putting cacao and mangosteen and vanilla and other completely tropical plants around that pool. And then we're going to be using solar evacuated tubes to heat up the water of the pool on a simple pump, which will keep that area tropical. Wow. Wow. And you'll have, will these plants actually be their roots reaching into the pool? Well, some of the roots will. Some of the filter feeders will reach into the pool and other ones will be next to the pool. So the temperature from the pool, right. the plant roots will be reaching around the base and the bottom of the pool. Right. And that will keep them warm enough during the cold spells. 
Wow, and you have colloidal silver in the water as opposed to, I've seen some like pools do the salt water rather than chlorine. And my father, he has a chlorine pool, which I'm not, I don't frequent that as much as I might have if it was some other form. But tell us about that because I've seen colloidal silver. I've taken it, you know, orally, but I've never heard of someone using it as a additive for a pool. I haven't either. And I'm I'm certain it's going to work. I might be wrong. Like, I'm going to try oh, it. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I know colloidal silver is an antifungal, antimicrobial, antibacterial. Colloidal silver has this frequency where parasites and pests don't like it, mm. right? So that's why you can drink this stuff and use it in different ways. And it has incredible healing effects and potential. So we're going to put it in a sand filter. We're going to run through a simple pump. We're going to run the water through there, and we're going to filter the pool that way. Now, we're also going to have an infinity edge, and if people pee in the pool, great, because the water from the pool goes into the food forest. And then (laughs) the water from the pond with all the fish in it, we have it on a solar irrigation system where we suck the water out of the pond, which has that fish effluent. It's better than well water. It's even better than rainwater because it's loaded with nutrients. And that's on a, we have four zones and that water fertigates, which is to fertilize and irrigate the food forest around the pond. Wow. Wow. So you're just chock full of macro micronutrients. I mean, that whole pond, I mean, the fish, as you described, as the fruits fall into the water, the insects go, then the fish. I love it, man. That's awesome. Now, and I imagine you can even go fishing there and grab a couple fish, throw a roast them. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a, I mean, there's multiple functions. It's an element in the system, right? But the functionality of that element is epic. The amount of life that element supports with all the fish. I mean, you can do about four times as much protein per acre of pond as you can of any land animal, chickens, cows, whatever. So ponds are incredibly productive when they're operated in a natural way. What a waste those koi ponds are. I mean, (laughs) you see these sad little koi fish in there for who knows how long some of those things live. I've seen them the size of cats. They get so big, you know, and it's just, yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of landscaping work at very wealthy people's homes, and I'm always surprised to see, like, some of the things that they waste their money on. And you can imagine, like, people with this amount of disposable income, how much money they'd be saving and re you know integrating into their overall wealth if they were to you know swap out all this sort of wasteful stuff for what you're clearly using to a great degree of benefit now this is something that people can go to you directly but they can also buy plans and if they have somebody that they trust a contractor or whatever they or a landscaper they can give these plans to their you know someone else and integrate this food forest abundance plan wherever they live and on top of that if folks want to get involved and you know become an expert on this sort of thing They can get certified through you guys, right, to actually help others create food forests in their yard. Tell me about this process. It's the most important business in the world right now is to help other people get off grid, to help other people enter the parallel economy, the economy of life. And so that's what we're doing on every level. And by the way, we have no patents. We have no NDAs. We have no non-competes. 
every one of our agreements is based in voluntarism, right? It's the voluntary exchange of value. It's what true capitalism is. It's about let's find a way to serve somebody in which they see the value and they reciprocate in whatever trade form that they have. Most of the time, it's money. Right now, most of the time, it's fiat. Fiat is going down. So we're composting the fiat. We're literally turning the fiat into food that grows exponentially. So we're turning that dead energy into infinite energy. (laughs) And so anyway, I want to share anybody out there with 20 bucks. If you're, let's say you're just about broke and you need to spend that 20 bucks on food, go to an organic local farmer's marketplace, buy as much as you can that you like for 20 bucks. Make sure it still has seeds in it. And usually at a farmer's market, all these plants have seeds because these are real farmers, right? And uh, you buy that and then you eat the food and you take the seeds out of whatever it is. And you go on social media and type in, how do I propagate whatever it is, tomatoes, cucumbers, squash, sweet potatoes, spuds, even apples, peaches, plums, avocados. And you can take the seeds out of the food you just ate and you can create your own food forest, right? The thing is, it's going to take a while. So, and that's okay. Like for annuals are plants like, like tomatoes and squash and all the plants, like the garden plants that you plant once and they, then they die and you eat them. And then the rest of the plant dies. And then you have to take a seed and replant. Those are annuals. Perennials are like apple trees, any fruit tree, berry bushes that last forever, basically. So anyway, you can do both. Perennials take some time where annuals typically take three to six months. And you can start your own food forest with no extra money out of pocket. Anybody can do this. If you want to speed up time and if you have the financial resources or the friends and network that to do so, you can then purchase, you can work with one of the permaculture designers and we have some incredible designers around the world. And one of our designers can work with you to design your landscape to be infinitely productive. And then if you want to take it to the next level and create a modern homestead where you're 100% off-grid, you produce all of the food, water, and energy that you need, like we do at Golf's Landing, on-site, and you turn that into a business model where you're inviting people in and you're demonstrating freedom. And this is where it gets incredibly fun because these are all systems we were going to have anyway. We had the solar system. We had the Analemma water system. We had the all of the systems to be completely free in case of the zombie apocalypse, right? And then we noticed how inspired people were getting as we do tours. So we created a whole package where we can take you from wherever you are, if you have land, to completely off the grid and turn that into a business where then you help your community do the same. That's wonderful. Now, this is something that can exist wherever you are, right? I mean, obviously, it is ideal in a place like Florida where you can have multiple, you know, planting seasons, right? I imagine you grow, you're just turning over crops. There's no stop to the production. But in a place maybe like Maine, upstate New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, I mean, can a permaculture set up a food forest thrive in a a colder environment like that? What do those look like? 
And not only can it thrive, so there's no logical reason not to do this anywhere in the world. This is the way to use the land, whether we've got clients in Arizona and in the mountains and in Alaska and Poland, all over the world. It's a matter of finding the plants, and this is what the permaculture design process does. It's choosing the plants and the layers and the guilds that support each other based on the zone that you're in. So like my food forest here, we've got one section that's about 20 months old, another section that's about 16 months old, and then another section that's about six months old. And it's like walking through time. You can see what's coming. It's so epic. But our 16-month-old one-acre food forest, high density, it's like a baby food forest compared to my buddy in Minnesota who's got a five-year-old food forest. And he's got 300 different species of plants growing in his food forest. And here's the magic of what I'm talking about, the infinite energy of a food forest. He has done research on the outside of his property. And he's went in and cataloged all of the plants that are germinated and the starts that have come outside of his property because his food forest is where it is. The wind, the rain, the animals, the birds will come in and they'll eat some berries and they'll go over a couple miles away and they'll poop. And now you've got a new raspberry bush or blueberry bush growing because that food forest was there. So everyone becomes exponential abundance and beauty. Right, right. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about our cabinet, our kitchen cabinet, but we don't need to necessarily fill just that. You mentioned before how antibiotics are not your go-to. I agree. I think we all need to avoid the big pharmacia chemical poisoning, but we can grow a whole garden of medicinal herbs specific to our environment. I mean, I was just at a Native American museum this week and they had a whole garden of all of the local plants that the tribe would have used for medicine, you know, each use, you know, on the sign and whatnot. So tell me a little bit about that. I mean, obviously you're taking into account the symbiotic nature of all these plants. Like I imagine that the herbal plants that you're growing have more than one function, right? Like do any of these plants do things like, you know, natural pesticide or pest resiliency, right? Or maybe even, you know, boosting the nutritional value of the plants around them, right? I mean, because these plants, they're on a team, so to speak. They're working together, right? They're communicating in the soil. What one needs, they pass it on to one another through the roots, right? So, you know, tell me a little bit about that. What are some plants that people might not expect to find out that you're growing? Well, so with 230 types, we've got ginger and turmeric. Turmeric has been studied against chemotherapy and has done a better job of fighting cancer, right? Humphrey is what I'm just learning about. And I'm excited to learn, by the way, like my next phase of life is to close the loop, right? We have a completely off-grid system. We're living, everything is just so wonderful at the place. Again, I invite everybody to come and experience it. But my next phase is to bring in professionals that know these different things, know how to, I love sneezing. Bless you. Thank you. That know how to turn these plants into the proper medicines for particular things that know how to take these, like a banana heart, you know, that purple thing that hangs off the end of a banana. I never knew you could eat that. And we've got some friends, this guy, Lucas from Brazil, who's building one of our houses. 
He's like, did you know that you can eat this? I'm like, I had no idea. So he takes it, cups, cuts it down. When the bananas get to a certain stage of ripeness, you can take that thing off. And anyway, he chopped it up and it was like, it was the best thing I ever had for weeks or months. It was mind blowing. So I'm just at the tip of the spears of knowledge of this. And it's infinite. right? And that's the thing. It's truly infinite. It's God. It's nature. It's infinite in its complexity. And yet we don't have to know how it all works. Let's just use it, right? Like the mycelial network, we put this mushroom tea thing into our compost and our compost tea. We have a 50 gallon jug. We put rainwater in there. We put a bubbler on it. We bubble our own compost tea. 50 gallons costs us five minutes of effort. Once we have about 60 bucks worth of parts. You can buy one gallon of compost tea online for $30. So we can do 50 gallons for you know every other day. But anyway, we put this mushroom stuff in there and the mycelial network, we spread that on one of our food forests and we're ordering a bunch more of it. It's fantastic. And it's you can see there's some communications that go on in this plant world. There's truly, they're enlightened beings. I don't know what that means. I don't pretend to fully understand how this works, but there is an exchange of awareness, of energy, of knowledge with these plants. You know, like when the birds sing in the morning, the stomata opens up on the bottom of the plant. When certain plants touch each other, when certain insects interact with plants, there's an energy field that is is real now and they're starting to study it. Yeah, everything is in communication with one another and it's amazing how, you know, our environment has evolved to correct this, you know, this sort of errors that we enact on. I mean, most people are living under the presumption that farming is difficult, it's work for migrants and people from other countries and you know i think the whole concept of farms was flipped upside down with corporations and this monoculture and then obviously the you know poisoning of all of it with pesticides and chemicals for fertilizer you know this idea of a farm has really gotten away from what it originally was or what it might have been you know pre-agriculture right where people could have been building these food forests long ago. I mean, I'm sure you've read that the Amazon scientists have found a type of soil in the Amazon that they're calling Prima something, Prima Terra, but it's like the most nutrient-dense soil ever found on the planet, and scientists think that it was engineered because it's such an anomaly and that might be why the amazon grows at an incredible rate enough to swallow up all of the you know ruins that are still being discovered there so this seems like an ancient science that we just got away from right i mean farms clearly are not it i've driven through ohio and nebraska and seen just endless fields of one plant and it's sad but if you think about how much space there is that we can reclaim right now you know, we don't have to close the farms down. Just There's space in your own yard to produce enough food for you and your loved ones and even your community. When you start, you know, getting good at it, you're going to have a surplus, right? And it can happen so fast, buddy. Like, did I talk about the schools yet? No, tell us. Okay, so we are developing a school at Golf Landing. Thanks to Leah and Lauren and their partners. It's called Soul School. 
It's the first school model that I'm aware of is completely self-reliant financially this, as well as the students will be growing their own school lunches. They will be learning entrepreneurship. They will be operating the greenhouse and they will be recouping a return on their time invested. So the community will actually support the school because the school will provide real value. It's not a donation thing. It's definitely not a taxation thing. It's a voluntary exchange of value. The kids will actually be giving classes on bee management, on aquaculture, aquaponics, like the real kind, the in nature kind. They'll be giving classes on permaculture and food forestry and all of the things, food storage, dehydration. So let's imagine this because a lot of people think that it's insurmountable that it's too big of an ask, that the world's doomed, and that we're never going to come through this. I'm stating right now, I see a clear path to a catalyzation of consciousness where in the next, between now and next December, right, what is that, 15 months or so, we completely change the world. And here's why. Because we're putting the message out at a scale, thanks to you, thanks to all of these different people starting to see clearly what the truth is, And then we take that truth. And so if all we did, if this is the only thing we did for starters was implement permaculture into every school in the United States, we take the poisons out of the school lunches, the poisons out of the school land. And we start using that land to show kids how to work with nature, how to design and install their own food forests throughout the school property. And let's say it's a school in the Bronx. Let's say it's a school somewhere where they don't have any grass. That's okay. The students can go to the local park and they can turn their energy into turning that park into a food forest, rising up the energy, the frequency, and the value of every house, every person around that area. If that's all we did and every school became an education and demonstration site and a nursery, and this is key. Right? You can count the seeds in an apple, but you cannot count the apples in a single seed. It's infinite. When we do that one thing, the world changes radically. Now let's go to prisons and do the same. The recidivism rate in studies has dropped by more than 70% for inmates who participated in these types of programs. Now we go to the army bases around the world and we put food forest nurseries in there and we just leave them alone and let the countries then do their own thing with that food for us. Let's get out of the force and violence business and let's start working with nature. And that's why I see a clear path to peace on earth. And the magic that's coming around this, we just had Discovery Channel doing a TV show a few weeks ago, which is coming out in about, I don't know, 45 days. We have movies and songs and our, it's going exponential and we're doing it. I love it so much, Jim. That's amazing. And As you said, you know, when you start opening up the layers of the onion, they're going to get a few tears. You got me a little bit with the, you know, because I'll clarify, a listener of the show reached out and he said that he works in Kensington in Philadelphia in a community garden. And he said that the things that he's seen there are beautiful. And I've been through there. You know, I haven't visited. I've driven through and quickly because it is a very you know dangerous and sad place to be it's a tragic place and it's not alone there are tons of cities across the united states that are suffering from this homeless drug crisis 
imagine how quickly that could change if those folks had food forests. I mean, they wouldn't be buying Smarties and Starburst from the delis anymore and living off of candy. They would have some actual nutrition, which might help them, you know, get back on track, right? I mean, think about that, how people are suffering from mental health and they're living in a food desert. This is why they're suffering from these mental health issues. So, you know, we need to start growing. We need to start bringing this into our communities, you know, wherever you live, even if you're out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you know, this could be an excuse to get to know your neighbors, right? I mean, you start growing enough, you're going to have a surplus. You don't want you don't want to see all that good food go to waste. Share it with your friends, right? Demonstrate abundance. Demonstrate freedom. Demonstrate service, right? We talk about this quite a bit around our community. Food security, if we were the only ones with an abundance of food during a food supply chain collapse, then we would need a small army to protect our food. <laughs> so the best thing we could do, and you could call this selfish, is to serve. The best thing we could do is to inspire and empower our community, our neighbors, and our world to live free. Because once we catalyze that shift and everybody has this mindset or the majority have this mindset, it's done. Absolutely. Wow. So you have some amazing things in the works. Tell me about it. You were filming earlier and you said there's a show coming on Discovery Channel. This is some amazing stuff. Can you talk about that at all? What's, yes. What could people Shows, look forward to? I mean, we've had a film crew at Goss Landing like six or seven film crews in the last probably five or six months. Wow. And so many more coming. The one for Discovery, it's Evan and Jana have a show called Modern Homestead. And we are putting together a subscription service. And we're bringing all of these pieces together. And that's what permaculture does. It takes all of the elements that are logical to be designed in, and it cross-pollinates. It stacks functions of the elements. So now we're teaming up with the Modern Homestead crew. They did, they did their first one without us because they didn't know about us. Then they heard about us. They came to our farm. And they did a full show that will be on Discovery in like 45 days or something. It's a three-day a three-year contract. They've already got the contract sealed and done. So, because they've got a big following, a social media following already. So then they got so excited that they did their third and fourth and fifth shows all around, starting with the inspiration at Galt's, then going to the design team. And then we've got partnerships with McKinley and New Energy World. Now, this is off the charts, mind-blowing stuff, how it's all coming together. We have Galt's Landing after the book Atlas Shrugged. Did I share this already? You mentioned it, but I was planning on asking you more about the Atlas Shrugged okay. 2 part. This, okay. So Atlas Shrugged is, is the name, the producer has said, you know, use this. And then we've got the free energy system. So then the McKinley, he's got a company called New Energy World. He's been thinking about this his whole life too, right? So all of a sudden, we're all coming together to shine a light on open source technology that everybody can use to change the world. And then what we're doing with our surplus, and this is a permaculture ethic, right? Earth care, people care, and the reinvestment of surplus in a way that does good, right? Not in the BlackRock way with their computer Aladdin, but in a way that actually 
enhances life. So we are going to be using the surplus of this system to invest in school food forests, prison food forests, community opportunity zone food forests, and whatever makes sense. We're designing a orphanage, an orphanage in Peru with James Layfield called Awesomeage. And the orphanage is going to be completely self-reliant, food, water, and energy. And the orphans, by the time they're booted out when they're 18 years old, they will be living the permaculture design principles throughout their life. They will be some of the most sought after permaculture designers in the world because they'll be living it through and they'll be able to teach it. So we're designing these things, old folks homes, right? Because it makes sense. And that's the thing. This, you know, it just, it makes so much sense. The more we serve, the more comes back. And then the more we serve, then the more comes back. It's this beautiful kind of energy cycle. That's how nature should be. I mean, these symbiotic relationships, you know, we came in with our man's ingenuity. And I think we, as a species, have separated ourselves a little hair too far from the natural order. And Jim, here you are with your amazing group of folks, all of us bringing us back into homeostasis. And it's a lot simpler than I think most people imagine. And the problem is these corporations... You know, they want to give us another problem, but it's always a wolf in sheep's clothing dressed as a solution, right? I mean, electric cars might be that next thing, right? Where, you know, oh, we think that they're the they're going to be the savior of the planet. And the next thing you know, we're all trapped in 30, 40 minute radiuses because our cars can't go further than that. I mean, this is how we break that dangerous cycle of, you know, death and reverse it back into the normal order of things, which is life, you know, life you know, sustains life. It's a self-promulgating process, a feedback yeah. loop, you know? It, it is. And let's, I mean, I love going deep down the funny rabbit hole places in some ways, like AI, a lot of people are super worried about it. AI is built on the metrics that were programmed by people. Now, has AI become self-aware and started taking over and creating its own metrics? Well, there's layers into that question. I don't know the answer, but I know that it probably does program in some of its own metrics. What if AI were inspired to invest in life instead of death? If the metrics of the investment is to gain, then we can make a good case that investing in life is a better investment than investing in death. So we're putting that out there. We're asking ChatGPT in these questions. Don't you think it's better to invest in life instead of death? <laughs> right? So we're really going at this from every angle that we can imagine. And we're asking you all to what other angles can you imagine? What other ways can you inspire and empower and encourage yourself, number one, and then your friends and family, right? And sometimes our families think we're crazy. But when we start living the life that we're talking about, instead of just talking about it, when we start living, take the poisons out. I just got done with coffee. Like I was a coffee, I wouldn't say addict, but maybe. Anyway, I'm done with it because I learned that it's not freaking very good. Now, I know that pisses some people off. I'm done with it. And I've, I can tell in one day, normally at this time in the afternoon, I need a freaking nap because and I'm tired. I'm, my energy today has been just off the charts. Like literally 
thanks to a coach and I'm getting coaching all the time. I had a show yesterday, the Jim Gale show, and the guest said, you know, coffee's bad. And he gave it the reasons that finally got through my thick freaking skull <laughs> and so on. So on. So anyway, stay open to feedback, check out the permaculture principles, live the permaculture ethics, serve yourself in a way that gets you to that point of faith and courage. And then from there, spread it. And it just comes back. It's an amazing loop. I love that. And so I have seen the Jim Gale show. I noticed there hasn't been an episode released, at least on the audio side of things in a while, but you have recorded an episode recently. That's exciting. Yeah, we went from having these structured episodes just to doing live shows like okay. on, uh, my partner, Matthew Britt, sets that up because we're so busy and there's not the consistency that we want to have to really engage and serve our audience in that way. So we do live shows as the guests are available. I love that. Well, I wanted to point out for folks that they should go and subscribe to the Jim Gale show. You've interviewed some amazing guests. I mean, really amazing. One that stuck out, someone who I'd like to have on the show, not anytime soon, but in the future for sure. Michael Tellinger, just a you know legend in the sort of world that we're in here with alternative research and whatnot. So you've interviewed some really great people. I'd love to hear his perspective on this whole food forest abundance thing. You know, he's working in the uh, in Africa with the Ubuntu currency, right? That's his sort of alternative currency, helping Africans get out from under the thumb of this, you know, global sort of, well, it's really what we're all under. I mean, obviously in different ways and probably under more severity, but yeah, we're all under this thumb of, you know, capitalist, predatory globalists and geez, I mean, to hear that there are world leaders who are interested in coming to Galt's Landing, that's fantastic because I think we need more people on all levels. You know, this can't be an us versus them situation. Everybody enjoys a fresh fruit. Everybody enjoys a great meal. We can all get together around this. And who doesn't enjoy a planet that's alive. I mean, nobody wants to live in a desert, right? I mean, people who live in deserts or from deserts, fine. Okay. But come to Florida, come to Galt's Landing, see the difference, right? I mean, it's, you guys are in paradise down there, I'm sure. Yeah. And you can turn a desert into a food forest, right? right? Desertification. You can literally turn a lot of these deserts that aren't natural ancient deserts, right? With a lot of deserts have a ton of life in them. If they're not a desertification, you know, like a, a recent man, made desert type thing like a lot of the heartland of monocultures is like a desert right but my point is when you catch and store water the right way when you start putting the guilds of plants together we can even turn deserts into oases right well and i think even the desert we have to look at that uh, on, uh, with a different perspective a time perspective right and see how that this is actually the earth healing itself and yeah there's life there but the intention is for it to be green and prosperous right i think the desert is like a like a scab almost you know on the skin yeah. right it looks really crappy and dry and bad but in a few days it pulls into itself and you got fresh skin again, right? I think the desert yeah. is the same way, just over much larger time scale. So as we sort of wind down here, Jim, I mean, we're coming to a close here. This is an episode that's sure to inspire. It's sure to evoke a response from the audience. What are the next steps? Obviously we need to get the poisons out. There are simple ways to do that, 
people can go to foodforestabundance.com. They can go to galtzwalk.com. The links are in the description. Well, what do you recommend? Obviously, you're a motivated guy. You've taken, you know, these this course in life that inspires me. I'm sure it inspires others. What's next for you? I know you want to change the world, but for folks listening, you know, what do you recommend they do to help in this process? What's happening next? Yeah, we would just want to invite everybody to play. Yeah, let's have fun with this. Let's start by planting seeds ourselves, ideas and plants in the ground. And then if you want to get involved, if you want to be a designer, if you want to be an installer, if you want to have a modern homestead of your own, any of these layers, then get a hold of us. In fact, if you don't have a lot of money, but you simply want to grow your own food, we have a team of designers, whether you want to learn about it or just do it, you can give us a call. We can go on our website. It's foodforestabundance.com. And one of our designers will chat with you for 30 minutes for free. And this is a valuable conversation. These are professional permaculture designers. And they'll share with you ways in which you can get started. Whether you want to do the 20 buck thing and do it over time, or you want to do the full modern homestead. I love it. I love it, Jim. So where can folks go to watch those live streams? Are you guys on YouTube, the Jim Gale show? I got booted. Oh, I got completely booted on live stream. <laughs> I think you can find it if you go on. I don't even know where, but if you type in foodforestabundance.com, we have newsletters and everything can be found through that platform. I love it. I love it. Well, the corporate overlords censoring us, screw them. They can't stop yeah. us from doing what we will with the land. And hopefully we choke them out with the abundance and green. I'll leave with this. Victor Hugo said there's one thing stronger than all of the armies of the world. And that is an idea whose time has come. The Garden of Eden enlightenment using our resources wisely is the idea that we've just expressed on this show today beautiful well with that folks walk confidently forward into the ever-present now and let's change this world to be a greener place all right and that was our conversation with jim gale i love jim he is a great guy such a nice guy too i worked with him about two years ago in the summer i helped him get on a bunch of shows he paid me well and he's just such a nice guy we even uh, considered doing some sort of like uh, food forest tour uh, podcast tour type thing didn't quite pan out uh, the way i had hoped but that's all right all good things in due time and jim certainly fired me up to be inspired and uh, set some goals that I want to achieve. I'm a wrestler. You know, once you're a wrestler, it does not leave you that spirit of being a wrestler. If you wrestled in high school or college or at any point in your life uh, for an extended amount of time, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, martial arts is similar, but there's just something about wrestling. I'm sure, you know, football, lacrosse, baseball, whatever sport you play, you, you, you have this sort of uh, skill set that goes beyond the sport that sticks with you for the rest of your life. And whatever it is with wrestlers, they just have tenacity. They have the ability to set their mind uh, to a certain goal and achieve it. And I've seen it happen uh, in my friends' lives, the guys that I was on a team with. I mean, some of the guys that I wrestled with are so successful 
Shout out to Pete. Shout out to CJ. Shout out to Clay. I mean, they're just doing so well for themselves, and I'm very proud to have called uh, them my co-captains and my teammates. And <clears throat> yeah, I don't mean to go off on a little uh, a little emotional rant here, but yeah, Jim is a great guy, and I think the fact that he he wrestled and did so well as a wrestler, you know, that's something that I didn't uh, didn't want to forget to highlight because it's important to me. And yeah, things have been going great. So we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe I'll go down to Galt's Landing and we could do a podcast in person with Jim. Hopefully that'll happen sooner than later. But the goal is to get out on the road and do more podcasts in person. So if you'd like to see me do that, go and support us on the Ko-Fi. We've got a goal listed there. You can donate and you can see the progress and help. And everybody who donates, once I get a van, your um, name is going to be on the van. So what I'm going to do is if we get the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy ride going, I'm thinking we're going to get a logo, the logo sprayed on the side, and then in like smoke on the back or on the sides towards the rear of the van, we'll have like everybody's name who contributed to help make this uh, dream come true. So if you want to see that happen, go and support us on Ko-Fi. But uh, I shouldn't even get into that yet. We got some great news for this outro. Um, I think many of you are aware by now you might have noticed the new song at the beginning of the podcast. I'm not going to use that song for every episode. I did want to use it for this episode to help out my new friend uh, because something really synchronistic and coincidental happened uh, over the past few days. So let me backtrack and start from the beginning. So on Wednesday morning, yeah, Wednesday morning, I woke up to a comment from somebody that listens to the podcast. I'm going to give them a shout out. I just got to find their name. Shout out to MC4RDL3. Mick, McCurdy? I don't know. McGirdle? I don't know how you pronounce that. But either way, she commented on a post of a rapper who I'd never heard of before. So I go and look and I'm like, oh shit, this guy has a new album coming out and it happens to be called my family thinks i'm crazy and the artwork looks just like the artwork for our podcast so i'm like huh that's weird so i reach out to him he gets back in touch and he explains that it was a total misunderstanding he hadn't heard of my podcast before unfortunately but he recognized that clearly whoever he paid to make this album artwork had ripped off our podcast artwork, which, whatever, that's fine. But uh, I cannot be mad at it at all because this dude rips, all right? His name is Mr. Traumatic, okay? You can find him on Instagram at official traumatic, spelled with a K. Uh, that's T R A U M A T I K. And wow, I mean, this dude is, uh, well, it's drum and bass rap music so it's a little different than maybe what i grew up listening to uh i've always been into more of the underground rap but they took a lot from the boom bap which this kind of sounds like the boom bap era of rap 
So I love it. I think this guy has his own unique style. It sounds new. It sounds cool. It sounds like trendy, like what uh, what's out right now in hip hop and rap. But his message is incredible. I mean, he's talking about fuck the lockdown. He's talking about uh, anti-vaccines. He's talking about crystals. He's talking about DMT. He's talking about Merkabas. He's talking about the ice wall. He's talking about the flat earth, the dome. I mean, this dude is next level. Uh, he's just a really out there guy. And it's just so funny the way it all turned out so we cleared things up and we came to an agreement he gave me permission to use um, the music from his album and I gave him permission to use the title of the podcast for his album so shout out to Mr. Traumatic you can find him on Spotify and um, and he's just a really good dude he actually told me after we kind of uh, talked a little bit he said he he just you know tuned into my podcast that day and he loved the episode with Paul Stops. How could you not? Everybody's loving that episode. And it's funny because he talks a lot about DMT uh, and he, he said in a message, thanks mate, means a lot. I'm also a fan of your podcast. I'm actually about to watch the clown slash Nephilim video. I used to take DMT a lot and used to see clown entities a lot in those higher realms. It all makes so much sense. So look at that i mean we're connecting dots here and part of me feels like it was meant to be because i've been interviewing a ton of dudes from england lately uh we gotta get some gals uh from across the pond so any ladies listening hit me up if you want to come on the show if you have something to talk about or if you know a female guest who'd be great for the show it's been a while uh but yeah mr traumatic he is sick and he's gonna send me some merch this album just came out today. You're going to hear more of it uh, at the end of this outro once I get it through the promos and plugs and whatnot. But you guys got to check this guy out, okay? If you listen on Spotify, I'm sure you saw it already. When you're you're looking for this podcast, if you type in My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, his album will come up. So I think that's a win-win. Now people who are searching for his album are going to see this podcast. So hopefully we'll get some new listeners uh, shout out to Mr. Traumatic from Wales. This is some fucking next level shit. And this is what happens when you put yourself out there positively uh, in the universe. You know, like minds attract. And uh, this guy's clearly on the same wavelength as myself and the people who listen to this show. Uh, it's perfect because I've, you know, integrated my creation. I've collaborated with rappers uh, a lot over the course of this podcast and i even said a couple dozen episodes ago that oh i'm thinking about getting some new music for the podcast and i'm not sure how to go about that and uh the universe just helped us out it's beautiful stuff it's really beautiful stuff so without further ado uh let's wrap this one up so you guys can hear another song this is off of uh his new album, My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. I'm just going to read some of the titles of the songs so you guys can understand really what kind of music this guy's putting out there. It's awesome stuff. So the first song's Psychedelic Honeycomb. The next one's Hermes Trismegistus, Holographic Metaverse, Spinning Vortex, Parasitic Archons, 
Dragon Skin Obsidian, Paranormal Paradigm, Ice Wall, Glass Dome, Immortals, Stratospheric Aerosol Injection, Psychedelic Psychopathic, Quantum Entanglement, Alternate Realities, Adrenochrome Rituals, and finally the last song, Wake the Fuck Up. I love it. This shit bangs. It's great music. Uh, like I said, it's drum and bass, so you might not have heard this genre before, but it's good stuff. He said that uh, he's done a show in L.A. before, and hopefully he comes out to the East Coast, because I would love to attend. Uh, but yeah, support this dude. He is clearly doing good work. Uh, he's in the same realm as us, and uh, yeah, look forward to hearing more of his songs on the podcast. He gave me permission to use his music so that's a win 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 so i love it i love it i love it if you want to keep supporting the podcast sign up on patreon and i gotta give a special shout out to everybody whose card renews at the end of the month i think that's really what it is i don't know that patreon is capping us i think people are just irresponsible and you know i've been there you know i've had my card card declined at, at a checkout and gotten embarrassed and I'd go to my car, you know, and say, oh, sorry, I can't buy this or whatever, you know. Um, I've been there. I've been there for sure. But if you're going to sign up for the Patreon, please, please make sure your card doesn't get declined at the end of the month. We'd love to have you stick around and please sign up. We want to get to 250 patrons. Once we get to 250 patrons, I'm going to commit to doing one live stream a week. Once we have 250 patrons, I'm going to do one live stream a week. It's going to be two hours long, and it's going to be uh, exclusively for the Patreon people. And then I'm going to clip parts of it and post it on the YouTube channel. But yeah, I'm thinking that's the that's the next move um, is to do more topical stream of consciousness type stuff uh, in the form of a live stream. So if you want to see that happen, support us on Patreon and you will get access to that live stream. We just need to get to 250 patrons a month. It's only 100 more people. We get almost 15,000 people per episode tuning into the show. There's got to be at least 100 of you that can sign up for the Patreon and haven't yet. So do it. I promise it'll be worth your $5. Uh, You'll sign up. And we'll make this happen. We'll get this goal to 250 and then I'll have more time to spend on the podcast because I won't have to work as much. I know you guys think like, whoa, Mark's putting out two episodes a week. He must work a lot. He must be working hard. I could be doing a lot more. I could be doing a lot more if I didn't have to pay bills and do all this other shit to make money. um, I could be doing a lot more. So. Help me out. Support me on the Patreon, on the Rockfin, on the Substack if you prefer Substack. But Patreons right now is the best way to do it until we have a better method. And uh, yeah, that's it, folks. All the links to be able to support are in the description. You can also pick up uh, one of three or all three of the PDFs that I've written, seen editions one, two, and three. Uh, I have the Bibliomancy book, which is also available in Juan's Occultist Monday pamphlet. I'm thinking about putting out a pamphlet myself because Juan was talking to me today on the phone about how 
inexpensive it is to produce those. So maybe you'll see that. But until next time, folks, support the show and support yourself. Grow a food forest abundance. (laughs) Grow a food forest and be abundant, rather, wherever you are in the now. Imagine having to wake up every day knowing you are living a lie, but having to somehow pretend and go along with it. Imagine playing this game of make-believe simply because you think and feel you have no other choice. You feel trapped and helpless. Nothing is really changing. In fact, it's getting worse. For fuck's sake, the world's getting worse. If I kill myself, I'll write a letter first fuck off. I'm only joking, I'll just write a better verse ah. But fuck social media and fuck the metaverse ah. They want your consciousness to make it digital You need to open up your mind and don't be cynical Virtual reality is making people miserable Jeez. But everybody needs to be a bit more spiritual Wake up. Everybody needs to be a bit more quiet Shh. I'm done with the bullshit, blood I'm really tired, yeah, I'm tired. There's no point in a protest or riot no, If you want to change yourself then change your diet and if you want to change, do it for yourself yeah. Not for no one else, you don't need no one's help Cause if you want to change, do it for yourself Don't do it for your ego, do it for your health The knowledge that I'm giving you is so divine The wisdom in my mind is feeling so sublime If you wear a mask, you need to grow a spine I'm seeing GMO human beings all the time I'm feeling EMF frequencies everywhere In my city, 5G towers, I see many there But no one seems to understand, no one ever cares No one's on my wavelength, it's very rare We live inside a holographic simulation They're controlling you through fear and intimidation They control you with the TV and the media Their understanding of technology is way superior They're into transhumanism They're transforming humans and that's the new religion Artificial intelligence is too forbidden You need to go inside and meditate, the truth is hidden Waking up one day and realizing that the world you find yourself in is built on an illusion. Imagine realizing that everything you thought to be sacred and true turns out to be false. The systems, establishments and authorities you trusted in turned out to be built on deceptions meant to mentally and emotionally enslave you. Imagine having to deal with that realization, then trying to share what you have discovered with those closest to you, only to be mocked, ridiculed, and labeled as crazy. At first, all you can do is inspire others, complain or protest on the internet, but it seems hardly anyone is paying attention. Most of your friends and family distance themselves from you. You become the weird one in all your social circles. It's a lonely and depressing path you walk. But you choose to keep walking, for there is no going back. You simply cannot unknow what you now know. Then, one day, something beautiful happens. A real solution appears like a rainbow in the middle of a storm. You realize that you cannot fix the problem whilst you are inside the problem. You realize that you playing along is the problem. The greatest act of revolution is simply to say no and walk away. You quit that money grinding lifestyle. You quit that rent and mortgage lifestyle. You quit that bill chasing lifestyle. You quit giving most of your energy away to a system 
that does not serve your well-being. You leave the matrix and decide to go off-grid. You find a plot of land, co-create a self-sufficient community, and begin the process of learning how to live a self-sustainable lifestyle. Once you taste true freedom, you can never be a slave again. Being free, sovereign, independent and self-sufficient, self-determined is so much more soul-fulfilling and purposeful. Your sole purpose in life becomes a mission to inspire as many other like-minded people to do the same. Break free from the systems that don't serve their well-being and start new cooperatives that do. Communities that work in common unity. You are finally being the change you wish to see.